Lord, uh, you are a great father, uh, one who looks down upon us right now to um, just see us express our, our love for you through our worship, through our conversations, through our thoughts. You're a God who knows everything about us and know where we are at. Christmas season is supposed to be a time of joy, but sometimes it's a difficult time for many of us. Um, life here can be challenging, but we know that you um, sent your son to bring hope into a world that, that desperately needs more of you. So Lord, I pray that you continue to work through us, through the Holy Spirit, to roam freely uh, among us, to open our minds, our hearts, to experience what you want us to experience. May the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. So I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, This time of year in the church calendar is known as Advent. And Advent is the season where Christians all over the world are preparing for the coming of Jesus Christ and also reflecting upon the true meaning of Christmas. And for us specifically, we have been focusing on the awesome wonder of God. And together, this morning, we're going to look at the Christmas story. And together, we're going to kind of discover, and I can imagine maybe in this room, for some of you, rediscover the, the wonder of the manger. Now, why do I say rediscover? Because... I believe today, because of modern technology, a lot of us have lost the true sense of wonder. It's because as human beings, with great technology, we're able to create awesome displays of wonder for ourselves. Right? With, with for example, if you've ever gone to Disneyland, Disney is really good at creating awesome displays. If you've been to their laser light shows or their fireworks displays, if you've ever ridden on their rides like California Soaring with CG and with virtual reality, with sound effects, and even smells, you can experience things that are so awesome. But these are all man-made and created by humans. I know some of us are excited about the next Star Wars movie coming out. Another Disney ex- uh, exhibition of their talents. But we're going to be awed and, and, and surprised by the spectacular scenes in that movie. But these things tend to desensitize us to some of the ways that God expresses his awe and wonder for us through creation, through nature, which is one way I experience God's awesome wonder. And sometimes those are more in a quiet and more simple than the man-made spectacular displays. For example, just to give you an idea how my mind works, I have this, this plant in my house, and it's actually older than a lot of my, uh, both of my kids. It's about 30-something years old. I inherited it from my parents. It's called a Christmas cactus, and it's an amazing plant because it only blossoms one time a year, and it's called a Christmas cactus because it knows when December comes around, 
and it only blooms at that particular time of year. And it has these beautiful flowers. It's actually a cactus, but it blooms only during this time of year. That's for me as awesome and wonderful and a creation of God. Another thing I do is over our kitchen sink, we have this garden window. And I look out there, and in my yard, we have, I have a herb garden, and there's this sage plant, which is an amazing plant for hummingbirds to come and enjoy the sage. And for me, that's an awesome wonder to see the small creature that God created that's flapping frantically uh, its wings, but it's almost standing still, as if time stood still for me. And I can see this beautiful hummingbird feeding from the sage plant. These are simple ways for me to experience the awe and wonder of God. Sometimes we can miss. Plus, if we are able to see the awe of wonder of God, we will sometimes be surprised because many times God goes counter to our common sense and logic. There are mysteries of God that confound us daily and even shock us because his ways are not our ways. And for me, this is the case of the manger because there is good news among a whole lot of rejection. So a question for for me to challenge you all this morning just to think about, have you ever experienced rejection? Have you ever experienced being rejected? I know for me, I've experienced it a lot. And uh, if you you ever played basketball, I know my shots have been rejected on a basketball court many times. It's humbling, but that's what rejection does. Um, I know this is also uh, college application season. Uh, I, when I was going through that process, I only re- applied to two schools. There are, uh, actually, they're polar opposites of each other. I went to a high school in San Francisco that, that uh, uh, our school colors was red and white. So you know, one of the schools I applied to happened to have the same colors on the other side of the bay, which I will never <laughs> say, say that name. Uh, so I applied to there, and then also I play, applied to a school on the opposite of the bay, Cal Berkeley. So those are the two schools that I, I applied to. And um, I got onto the waiting list of the other school, but unfortunately I got a, a letter from them saying uh, we had plenty of qualified applicants, and unfortunately, we did not have a place for you. So I got rejected by that school, which will never be named by me again. (laughs) So God had a better plan. I went to the blue and gold school, and and the rest is history. But I experienced rejection there, and, and that's kind of what life's all about. So have you ever been stood up? Have you ever been turned down? laid off, rejected. Well, if you have, then maybe you will be able to identify with the Christmas story, which has a lot of rejection in it. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke 2, which was actually this morning's Advent reading. And I want us to hear those words again from Luke 2, verse 4 to 20. 
This is starting with verse 4 in chapter 2. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased." When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in, in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And that is the word of the Lord. I want us to, to, to look at the story of the Christmas story where a central place that this whole scenario is taking place is a manger. And in this scripture passage, I'm going to make the case that the manger was a place that involved a lot of rejection. And the first thing that we see in this passage is that Mary and Joseph end up in the manger because essentially they were rejected. There was no room at the inn because a lot of people were gathering in the town to... to uh, fulfilled the census. They were traveling from wherever they were to go back to their hometowns. And so there's a lot of people showing up in Bethlehem, and there was no place for, there ran out of room for, for people, travelers, visitors, guests, to, to, to find a place to stay. So Mary and Joseph were experiencing this, and so they were rejected at the end. So someone said, well, you can go stay at the manger. And she's pregnant with child. And she has to go to this manger to give birth. In verse 6 and 7 it says, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, when we think of a, a manger, I think sometimes, unfortunately, a lot of us have this glamorized picture of what a manger is supposed to be like. I mean, a lot of it has been commercialized and, and kind of gentrified. I mean, we have this 
the scene up here, a beautiful scene of, of what the manger is supposed to be like. It's supposed to be this barn-like structure. But the, the actuality, the, the manger was not in a barn-like structure. There are no barns in, in Bethlehem. The place where Jesus was born was actually because uh, Terry and I had the fortune, good fortune of going to the Holy Land earlier this year, and we were taken to the place where Jesus was supposedly born. It's actually in a cave. It's in a cavernous structure with a lot of these nooks and crannies, and, and that's where Jesus was born. It's in a cave-like structure. It's not a barn, not a beautiful barn. It's in a just dark, dank, kind of cold place. It's called a, it's a cave. But it is in that place where the manger was that God chose to have his son, who is God himself. And he wasn't born in some five-star hotel or palace, but in this dark, dank cavern, a cave. But that's God. Mary and Joseph rejected, turned away at the inn, had to give birth in this, this rocky place known as a manger. And they put their newborn baby in this manger, which is not a beautiful cradle or bassinet. It's a feeding trough for animals. Now, I can relate. I remember when my parents, uh, when I was born, they were so poor, they didn't have a cradle or bassinet for me. They just put me in their dresser drawer. That was my sleeping place for the first few months of my life. In their bedroom, they just stuck me in the, uh, the dresser drawer. And then as I got bigger, they actually put me in a bookcase. So, I, <laughs> so that's an upgrade. But God did the same thing. His son was not born in a magnificent place. It was put into a feeding trough. And that's kind of God we have. And the next people we, we see in this Christmas story is that, the, uh, that new rejection were the shepherds. But it was the shepherds that God chose to give the message of hope to the world first. And also sent them first to go find his son Jesus at the manger. Low-class shepherds were the ones who received the good news first and sent to find the manger. Verse 10 to 12 says this, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. Now, to, to, to give context here, the shepherds were not your social elites in, in biblical society. They were low-class, uneducated, often considered dirty and unclean in Jewish culture because they took care of dirty, unclean sheep. They smell. But they had to hang out with them. And then there's a requirement uh, because the shepherds in Bethlehem had a special duty because of their close proximity to Jerusalem, they took care of sheep that, that would be used for sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem. 
So Bethlehem is about five miles. So it's really close in perspective. It's walking distance. So they would, but there's a requirement for, for sheep to be um, slaughtered uh, for, and be worthy for sacrifice. They had to live 365 days in the wilderness. That is kind of Jewish law. So uh, and it's kind of an interesting thing if you ever go there. Uh, if you visit Jerusalem and where the temple is, it's pretty civilized. And there's a lot of greenery. But you just step out of the, the, the city uh, limits and you enter into what is known as Bethlehem. It turns like, like it's dry desert. It's like wilderness. And so you could see how the fulfillment of, of that, that requirement that sheep have to live 365 days in the wilderness before being worthy and ready to be sacrificed. That Bethlehem was convenient. And so these shepherds who are in Bethlehem are raising these sheep. And, and, and they are often, as I said, not highly viewed uh, citizens of Jerusalem or of, of, the, of the Israelites because they were considered unclean. And they were, were often blamed by the elites for all kinds of trouble or, or problems or even crimes. They were kind of the scapegoats because they were powerless and they were poor. They couldn't defend themselves. So people would just blame them if there was anything going on that was a problem, like burglaries or murder or, or whatever. The shepherds would be blamed for it. So what I'm making, building up a case here, is that these are not your powerful, rich, and famous people, but God chose them to be the ones to first experience the good news that he had for the world. And to them, the shepherds were an audience to an amazing sky display of angels. That's what the scripture says, right? But just opposed to that great fireworks kind of display with the angels was this message about a savior being found in a, in a manger and in the form of a baby. Totally ridiculous, totally illogical, something that some would say scandalous, that their savior of the world is not a warrior king, not a conqueror, but this weak baby. And this would, and especially something else that the, only the shepherds would notice, would cause the shepherds to wonder. Now, I want to make known here that the shepherds knew exactly what the angel was talking about and where to go. Because the scripture says they were told to go find this baby in swaddling cloth in a manger. And then without haste, they went off and they found where the baby was. But you have to realize in, 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 in Bethlehem, there's a lot of mangers. How did the shepherds know which manger to go to? But they did. They were able to quickly find baby Jesus. And, 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 and the reason here is that uh, what I learned when we were in, in Israel, um, some, the Palestinian Christians told us that uh, in Jewish times, 
the shepherds in Bethlehem, as I said, took care of, of sheep and eventually lambs that were ready for sacrifice. And because of Levitical law and, and cleanliness, although it's kind of a dirty business anyway, but sheep had to live, as the, the mother ewes had to be out in the wilderness for 365 days, but they were brought into, into covering the cave to be birth, to birth baby lambs. And uh, the lambs had to be special because they were going to be used for sacrifice. So the manger that they birthed lambs for sacrifice had to be clean, sacred, blessed, so that the, 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 the lambs that were born there would be appropriate and ready and, 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 and good for sacrifice. So when the angel said, you will find this baby in the manger, it wasn't any old manger. It was the manger. <laughs> so the, the shepherds knew where to go. And, and this is something that, as I said, we wouldn't know anything about unless we are familiar with uh, Jewish history and with uh, the whole history behind Bethlehem and the shepherds there. So hearing the Savior was going to be at, at the manger, the shepherds rushed off without having to pull out a map app because of all the mangers in the area, the shepherds knew exactly where to go. And, and more on this, you will see how they knew from what the angel said to them. The angel said the Savior, the Christ, was a swaddled baby in a manger. And it said uh, in three verses here, three times that the baby's in a manger. And then two times said that the baby is swaddled. Verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Verse 12, you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in the manger. Verse 16, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Repeat it over and over again. It's very significant that the manger is big, big thing to remember. Two times it said the child is in swaddling. It is a wonder that God chose to send his son as a baby. Or he noted that. That's, that would be unusual for most civilizations, most people to say a baby is supposed to be our savior. The Messiah, the Christ, is a baby. Not a powerful politician, not a ruling king, not a warrior, but a vulnerable, weak baby. Jesus descended from heaven and became totally human, but also divine. Two persons, or two natures in one person. And this was ridiculous for many to believe, even scandalous to some. Especially a child born not of royalty, but a savior born to a very simple persons as Mary and Joseph. A carpenter and a teenage girl. That was scandalous and ridiculous for many. So how can a Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, be a weak baby? But God gave a clue as to how his son Jesus was going to save the world in a way that was counter to what the world would think or even believe in. The shepherds 
should have picked this up, this clue that God gave them in the good news that a Savior is born to them. That what the angels' words were saying were telling us about, about Jesus. The angel said the baby would be in swaddling cloth. So here, a lot of us kind of maybe missed this. And I, for many years, missed this too. Because our common experience when we see little infants, right, little babies, they're always at the hospital instantly wrapped up in cloth because it gives them warmth and security. So we have this image that that's what all babies do or, or, or experience. But when I was in the in, in middle, in middle East, the, the Palestinian Christians there were telling us that you know why in the Bible it says Jesus was swaddled? The swaddling cloth there isn't the warm, fuzzy stuff that we wrap our babies today with. It's not a blanket. Swaddling cloth is the same kind of cloth that you use for burials. Also, the the, the, the shepherds would take care of the lambs. Remember I said that these Bethlehem shepherds have a special duty is to take care of the sheep that are being prepared for sacrifice at the temple. And so when baby, uh, baby lambs, when lambs are born, because in the wilderness there are a lot of bushes that are prickly, thorny, and Lambs that are to be sacrificed at the temple must be unblemished. No scarring. And so they swaddle the lambs to protect their skin so they won't be damaged by the thorns in the bushes. So they would become unblemished. So when God is telling through the angel to, to the shepherds, the baby will be in swaddling cloth. God is saying, my son is the sacrificial lamb for my people. He is the lamb of God. And we see this in um, John 1, verse 29. When Jesus begins his ministry and walks past John the Baptist, John the Baptist says, behold, the lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. In Isaiah 53, verse 3, Isaiah says he was despised and rejected by men. And Jesus himself said in Luke 17, verse 25, but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Jesus came to save the world not as a conqueror, but as a sacrifice. And he would endure persecution and rejection on our behalf. And because he went to the cross, we are no longer rejected by God because of our sins, but now can be treasures in heaven. And so my takeaway for this this morning is that one man's rejects are the son of man's treasures. All of us have this spiritual reality that we are rejected from heaven due to the sin of of Adam and Eve, we are rejected because of that original sin. But God offered a solution through his son, Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, 
so that we will not be rejects anymore, but be treasures in heaven. Jesus proclaimed in Luke 4, verses 18 to 1. Uh, Luke 4, verse 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Our God is one who, who came and sent his son Jesus for us, those who have been rejected. Um, I want to kind of illustrate this by, you know, by uh, telling you a story about my wedding night, about our, our wedding. And um, you all heard this story, or the saying, it's, it's not always what you know, it's who you know. And, and so when we were planning for the wedding, Terry's a very good organizer, my wife. And so she had to, took the, the, the heavy lifting and the heavy burden of planning for our wedding and our wedding day, which is, you know, often a very special day. We actually had, what, 550 guests. So it was a pretty, pretty big thing. Terry gave me one big thing I was supposed to do. Okay. Uh, this is, mine was a short list. One of the things she asked me to do is, because usually these, these, these affairs these days, those, these, those events, it's long. So uh, Terry told me, which often was the practice then, uh, we got married in San Francisco uh, at a, a restaurant in Chinatown, to, to, to stay at a hotel somewhere close by. I mean, there was a popular hotel, which is like a block away from, from the... Uh, reception uh, restaurant. So my one major thing to do is to make reservations at that hotel. And so, you know, as we were talking about this, we're, uh, it was about a year out, so I said, oh, I got plenty of time. And uh, I typically, you know, because I got busy and I'm kind of a procrastinator, um, I think it was like a month out. I said, oh, okay, I, I, I think I should, should uh, make reservations. And I was thinking, okay, should, plenty of time. And so when I called that hotel, they said, sorry, there's no room. Just like Mary and Joseph, there's no room. <laughs> uh, so I said, oh, man, because it was the most convenient place, a very nice hotel. And, and you know, I don't want to go to Motel 6. Uh, on my wedding night, so nothing against Motel 6, but you're going, oh, okay. In San Francisco, there are plenty of hotels right, in the area. So I start calling all these other hotels, and they said, oh, sorry, no room. Panic. Because <laughs> Terry had told me this was the most important thing I had to do, and I failed. <laughs> I already failed. Fortunately, so, uh, at Terry's suggestion, there's, there was a person in our home group at the time who worked in corporate sales for a major Japanese uh, hotel near where we were having our reception. She said, why don't you give her a call? And so I did, I called and I told my story and, and, and how desperate I was. I said, I'll pay anything, uh, can you help me? And then, you know, there's, on the phone call, there's like silence. And 
and going, oh, it seemed like eternity. And so our friend said, well, Calvin, you know, there's a reason why that particular weekend is really going to be challenging because there is an American Medical Association convention in San Francisco, and they booked all the rooms. And I go, oh. <laughs> so then she said, but okay, I'll do my best. I'll see what I can do. So I said, okay, 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 okay. And I said, again, I realize I know I'm, I, I'm failed, I'm stupid, whatever, and I'll pay whatever it takes. You know, and I'm, I'm a poor, poor guy at that time. And, and um, so I get a call like a day later, and she says, Calvin, don't worry, I got you. I took care of it. I said, oh, okay, okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and, and so on that day when we went to the hotel, uh, when we checked in to the reception clerk, looked at, oh, Mr. Yun, uh, I see you'll be a guest with us tonight, and you're going to really enjoy your stay with us. I said, oh, oh okay. So, you know, this, I'm pretty tired. This is almost like midnight, one in the morning, uh, when we checked in. And so, when we go to the, they gave me the room keys. I go to the, the, the room, and then I looked at the numbers on the doors in a the corner. There's two doors with the same number. And I'm like, oh, which one do I open? <laughs> and, and so long story short, it's essentially, it was a four-room four suite. So there's dining room, a, a kitchen, there's bedroom and all that kind of, in the living room. So it was very nice. And apparently it, it, it is the personal, it was a personal private suite of, uh, some of you may know the actress, comedian, uh, Lily Tomlin. That was her personal, personal um, uh, suite. But when she's out of town, she allows the hotel at the, their discretion to allow others to, other guests to use it. So it was, uh, again, a God, God sighting and the blessing. So I got, not a great way to start a marriage. <laughs> But I was saved. I was totally relieved. So, where I'm going here. I knew great hotels, and I knew hotels that had great reviews and were popular. I knew the cost, and I, and I knew I would need to take, uh, make reservations. But all of that knowledge didn't help me. Didn't save me. It took someone with connections. And same way, we know heaven is great. We know we can live there forever. And we know there will be no more sorrow, pain, or tears in heaven. But none of that knowledge makes a difference unless we personally know the only one who matters. For that one person to say, this one is with me, and I have taken care of the cost. It's not what you know, it's who you know. We are all rejected from heaven, but we can get there if we know the right person. So do you know Jesus? An Advent, a time where we are preparing for the come of Jesus Christ, is a time for us to find out more about him and discover the good news for those who are rejected in this world. Because one man's rejects are the son of man's treasures. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people.
for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for you love us so much that sometimes in our ignorance, our rebellion, we refuse to humbly come before you and say that we are yours and that through your grace and mercy, through your son Jesus Christ, who came as a vulnerable baby in the manger, which was scandalous to many, but he himself endured rejection so that he would know what it means to be rejected. But he went to the cross so that he could save us from, uh, from our judgment, but to be reconciled back into your family so that we know, may know the, the beauty and joy of eternal life with you. So we thank you in your more precious son's name, Jesus. Amen. So we continue to respond in a time of music.